Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 122. You've got Chris and Brian in today. Uh, we're going to talk about Chris trying to rob me over a <laughs> little tactical hand warmer thing and how we got in a gunfight with Sims Guns over it. <laughs> so, guys, we did a, we had an opportunity to do a uh, force-on-force evolution. Um, one, of, one of the members of the tribe uh, is, 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 the, is the proud owner of some Sims uh, guns and Sims ammo. Um, and so we, we do force on force worked into our training schedule on a yearly basis. Usually we spend, uh, uh, you know, three or four days a year working on this or three or four sessions a year working yeah. on force on force stuff. Um, but we had an opportunity, you know, it was already scheduled, but we had an opportunity to actually step up to Sims, to Sim Munitions, um, marker rounds rather than running it as airsoft. Um, and airsoft is, is, is still a valid training tool. Um, especially at close range, especially if you don't pad up and wear extra clothes and stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, it might have been slightly more reliable. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had some reliability, but with Sims, I think that's a pretty common thing, yeah. honestly. Um, so, but anyway, so I want to start off uh, the conversation around doing force on force training um, in, in almost any martial art. I don't care if you're doing knife stuff. I don't care if you're doing gun stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't care what weapon it is you're using. If it sticks, going to foam bats, whatever that kind of stuff. Um, safety in this case, guys, there's about once a year, it feels like, and maybe it's more often, maybe it's less often. I don't know. Maybe my impressions are off, but about once a year, we hear a tragic story about a law enforcement officer or a professional end user, um, getting shot and killed in a scenario where there weren't supposed to be any live guns on the range. Um, guys, it's, it's so we want to run through just briefly a, if you haven't done force-on-force force training with somebody who has taught force-on-force force for a significant period of time, has whatever certifications would be appropriate, whether that's from simunitions or someplace else, um, is somebody who hasn't done it as part of their their profession or or part of their you know part of their livelihood, somebody who and, and again I say that I say those things cautiously because there are a lot of people out there training folks who shouldn't be. Um, but if you haven't gotten training from somebody who's squared away and actually knows what they're doing with force on force, you need to avail yourself of that opportunity or to go take the class from simunitions or from somebody out there who can teach you the proper procedures to keep the range safe. Um, keeping the range safe means ensuring absolutely, and this might mean two or three independent checks of each person to make sure that nobody is carrying a weapon. Um, We'll go so far with a weapon as to say that includes pocket knives, that includes impact weapons, that includes asps, it includes the keychain devices that would be impact devices that you could, you know, you could hurt somebody with if you if you had such a mind to, or you got caught up in a scenario and overreacted. Um, you know, so so basically, one of the things that you know, some of the things that we did is we had a a, a safety briefing explaining, hey. Here's your last chance to go to your vehicle, get whatever you need, jock down, get rid of whatever you don't need. Um, knives, asp, guns, spare mags with pepper live spray. ammo, um, pepper spray, all those fun things to go get rid of that stuff and then come back to the safety briefing without any of that stuff. And then understand that if you leave the group of people or you go back to your vehicle or you go back to gear that's not been cleared, um, that every time you're going to come back in, you're going to go back to the person in charge. So we've got to anoint someone as being in charge of this training session who knows what they're doing and who can pat somebody down properly and confirm those things. So we started off with going to your vehicle, jocking down, getting rid of all your stuff, coming back, and then you buddied up with somebody and you each checked each other thoroughly 
And then after you each checked each other thoroughly, the person who was in charge of the training night went through and checked each person individually as well, um, just to confirm there were no weapons on the range there of any kind, and literally of any kind. Um, and then beyond that, uh, you know, we basically, if anybody went back to their vehicle to get something, boom, you got to go back through that double check yeah. again. Um, worked out really well to do this. The one thing that I will say, depending on where you train at, um, that person who's in charge of the training, um, you know, if you're, if your law enforcement officers training somewhere, uh, that's maybe remote or, or if you're squared away citizens, um, you know, there's always that concern around security for the range. That's something that you're going to want to deal with. Um, you know, whether that's having, you know, what, what we call the, the farmer gun or whether that's something, you know, that the gentleman in charge of the range or the person in charge of the range for the day is, remains jocked up and doesn't involve themselves in the scenarios. Um, I would say that as civilians, you're probably better off having a, a locked up farmer gun um, yeah. in somebody's vehicle or whatever. So that if something does happen on the range, you've got you need security for whatever reason you can, you know, you have access to a gun if it's a remote area. Um, but and be extremely cautious of this. Yeah, it's one of those guns, if you are going to run a security gun, make sure it is something different from any of the guns being used in the scenario. Um, and in our, our times past, that's been you know a sub-gun, it's been an AK. Yep. Um, and something completely different from any of the you know other airsoft or sim guns. Yep. So that there's minimal confusion over you know what, what has real ammo in it, what has absolutely you know, mark around and again lock, locked up it's something yeah. that somebody needs to make a concerted effort to obtain if that's a concern for you um if you're training somewhere where that's not a necessity then that's totally cool um in this instance we you know to not have that's totally cool um in this instance the gentleman who was running the training uh jocked up with a vest um a reflective vest to mark himself as the safety person slash person running the training slash person that's going to check everybody slash person that was remained gunned up on the range for security purposes um but having said all those things like i said multi levels of checking everybody um don't be squeamish about patting people down um i i, I carry my i carry a knife one of my knives in my back pocket not in a front pocket and so you know if you got you got to play with my butt to check it. That's cool with me. Um, but anyway, you know, don't be squeamish about squeezing people's pockets, checking to make sure, hey, is that a lighter? Is that a, you know, um, is that a set of keys or a key fob for a car? Or is that a knife that's down in your pocket yeah. or something like that? So definitely confirm all those things. So I'll stop beating that to death. But very, 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 very serious situation. Um, my understanding that, not throwing out statistics, but the majority of time that somebody gets injured in a force-on-force -force scenario with a firearm, it's because somebody left the range, left the training evolution to go get something from their vehicle, or to go to lunch, or yep. something along those lines, jocked up with whatever, and then came back and totally forgot to take off their ankle gun, their backup gun, their whatever gun, um, and that's that's a large, large percentage of those things. So you need to redo these checks every single time you stop training, leave the range, stop for lunch, go to lunch, come back, whatever, every single time you need to have that safe zone set up and anytime anybody walks across that line of that safe zone uh you gotta have multiple people checking them yep. i'll stop beating on that so cool yeah let's get into the scenarios yeah let's do that. let's run through a couple of them uh so the first scenario was a kind of we had cars sort of ginned up with barrels and folding chairs and whatnot um looked at a person in a vehicle um that was kind of boxed in so they couldn't maneuver it um, another vehicle approaches, the guy gets out of the vehicle, uh, starts cussing them out for almost hitting their vehicle, and then kind of ends up brandishing 
um, a pistol to sort of escalate the situation, and then it let um, the person that was in the in the first vehicle there. Um, it was their responsibility to try to de-escalate or otherwise resolve the situation, um, ideally without shooting the person. Absolutely. And guys, you know, part of this was you're in a vehicle. So the common response from almost every single person involved in this was, I'm going to put it in gear and drive away. Um, in this scenario, for the sake of the scenario, you were not allowed to simply drive away or, or goose it and run over the guy as he flashed a gun at you or whatever the case may be. Um, you were locked in place. So we had uh, folks deal with that scenario. Um, everything from Almost, well, not almost, flat out calling out the bad guy and escalating the scenario on their end, which is a concealed carry permit holder is an absolute no-no. Um, you know, somebody screaming, you want a piece of me? You know, that kind of thing. Um, as, as supposedly the good guy, doesn't, doesn't the optics of that don't work out well when it comes to witness testimony down the road. Um, to, to guys who basically got out of the vehicle and got out of Dodge, um, you know, and everything in between. So um, a, a, a couple of the... The, I didn't see anybody not verbalize well. Everybody yeah. verbalized well. Everybody started off with, in general, hey, I apologize, my bad. You know, hey, I'm really sorry. Hey, I, you know, everybody was backing up, backing up, backing up verbally. Um, and then it seemed like when the gun got brandished was when things went, people diverged in how they reacted. Um, you know, and like I said, one of our guys went, went full tilt boogie. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to ruin your world, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to burn you to the ground. I'm going to, I'm going to go hunt down your kids and your family and, and take them with you. And I, I don't know, went from that all the way to just trying to get out of Dodge. Um, some of the things we saw significant failures though, um, in a vehicle, vehicles do not make good cover, but they do make better cover than no cover whatsoever. Um, had, had one of our guys get right out in the open and actually approach the bad guy as if he was going to disarm him or something like that. Um, I, in my humble opinion, horrible, horrible decision. Uh, distance is your friend. Time is your friend. Gives you an opportunity to make better decisions versus getting close to somebody. Now you're wrapped up with them and there's two guns and can you control both guns? Probably not. Probably not. And um, it was definitely close enough that, you know, if it had gone from guns to knives or guns and knives, um, well within arm's reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there's a little bit of that aggressive mentality. Um, and, and again, you know, sometimes there's there's the saying that aggression will save you and caution won't. Um, I, I, I like to apply that saying, though, to the very end of options. When you're down to almost no options, then it's time to go. It's time to go. Uh, but in the interim, um, you know, distance and time are your friends, so maintain them. Um, I, I similarly got out of the vehicle, reacted as far as wanting to see the bad guy, and stepped out into the open for longer than I wanted to be in the open, and then realized the error of my ways and went for cover, you know, and you're dressing um, the bad guy. Um, the other common thing that we saw was this was the first scenario of the night. Um, a lot of our law enforcement guys are, they're trained, communicate, get on the radio, get on the radio, get on the radio, let them know what's going on, let them know where you're at, let them know what you're up against, you know, make that call, your man with gun call. In this particular case, um, nobody did that. Nobody, nobody, you know, and we also learned, um, little, little known fact, if you have an iPhone, um, if you squeeze the power button and one of the volume buttons like five times, or, or squeeze and or hold them down, and depending, hold on, down. depending on your yeah. model of phone, um, it will do one of two things. It will either automatically dial 911 and throw coordinates at the dispatcher, or it'll give you a screen where you swipe to call 911. Yeah. So you can much more easily, because it was asked, you know, hey, how come nobody got out their phone and called 911 while this is going on? And the universal response was, um, 
I, 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 can't, I don't have time to jack with my phone. I don't have time to enter a passcode, um, scroll through for 9-11 or, you know, or pick up the button, hit the right button to make yeah. a phone call and then hit 911 or whatever. Um, and a couple of guys could remember the number. Uh, just joking. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it was basically articulated and, and, and our, our, our LEO guys were like, well, just squeeze the phone five times or just hold those buttons down and it'll call automatically. And almost universally, the response was, no shit. I didn't know that. Uh, so something, if you didn't know, public service announcement there, courtesy of a couple of local PDs and officers uh, trying to keep us squared away. Um, but communicate. Finally, at the end of the, toward the end of the scenario, both parties were engaged by an off-duty law enforcement officer who was flashing his badge, calling out law enforcement, trying to calm things down, etc. Yeah, we learned our lesson from the last. Yeah, uh, um, uh, yeah. If you're an, discrimination, right? Yeah, if you're an off-duty law enforcement officer, you need to really sound off. Uh, off-duty or plain clothes. The badge needs to be front and center, waved around. Law enforcement, law enforcement, law enforcement. You know, whatever commands you need to do. Um, so, and, and in this case, the scenario was run in such a fashion. Um, and, and the law enforcement officer, once they showed up, was, was able to, in general, diffuse the situation, calm things down, etc. Um, if you let it play out, and everybody let it play out. So, um, one of the, there are a couple things about this scenario that were predicated. A, you can't drive away, and B, you're caught unaware. Um, and, and the scenario, like I said, you're sitting in a parking lot waiting for somebody, and you can't just abandon them. Um, so, you know, with, with that in mind, I, I think everybody did a pretty good, I, I think two out of three did a good job of dealing with it. I think the one third chose to revert back to, um, Eastside Dayton, um, childhood, I don't know, got beat up by bullies or something. I'm not sure what the case was, but anyway, there was a lot of aggression there, um, a little bit early, but yeah. it's situational and so, but it's just, it's your fight. So figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to bring that up, um, you know, when we're hanging out in cars, a lot of times people want to stay more attentive to their phone um, than, their surroundings. than their surroundings. Yeah. You know, being you are the agent in charge of your personal protective detail. Get you some. Uh, which is the kind of the, what we call the Sentinel concept. Uh, check out the book uh, with the same name from Pat Mack. Um, if you haven't read it, a lot of really good information in there. Yep. Uh, but you, it is really important you know, to be aware of your surroundings. Uh, be able to you know, figure out what the terrain is around you. Um, are there other, you know, bystanders? Are there, you know, the mom with the three kids, you know, walking in a stroller or whatever? Uh, you know, are there a group of hoodlums approaching you? Or um, just unknowns. Yeah. Just unknowns. I mean, and the reality check, too, is the terrain aspect of that becomes a big part of the conversation. Um, you know, often the wife and I are running errands and she needs to run in places quickly. I'll drive and let her run in and out of places. But I don't park in the middle of other parked cars. I park off to the side. I park where I'm visible to her, and I park where I'm not near anybody else. And that's not to say somebody couldn't walk up behind me in a blind spot in my mirrors or something like that. But I generally don't sit there on the phone jerking around, not looking around me. Um, and I guess that's just old habits. I don't know. I've always been like that. Yeah. So uh, that probably makes me a little bit weird. I'm cool with that. Um, same thing. You know, we do we talk about vehicles and such. Uh, most vehicle tactics are born out of law enforcement where there's no one, there is no precious cargo in your vehicle. Yep. Uh, as civilians, uh, especially civilians, you know, if you got young kids, kids uh, families, whatnot, uh, yeah. all of a sudden your vehicle is no longer viable terrain um, for using for cover, concealment, yeah. et cetera. Uh, so be prepared you know, to move to someone else's vehicle and use yeah. it for 
cover concealment. Well, um, and, and understanding whatnot. that that may mean that as you egress your vehicle to get away from it so that it's not a bullet magnet with your kids still in car seats, that you may need to bring your keys with you, lock the vehicle as you're moving away from it, etc., so that nobody else has access to your children as you get yep. involved in whatever scenario. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts to these scenarios, and and throwing some of those conversations into it, we had one of our guys with us who's who's um, who's been a dad for a few years now, but was you know that came into the conversation I think maybe as uh, something he's thought about, but it really brought it into daylight as far as that conversation goes, something I've always thought about because my kids now are old enough that they're not always with me. Whereas 10 years ago, I always had kids with me no matter what. And so you think about things a little bit, you have to think about things a little bit differently um, or you're setting yourself up for a really, really bad scenario. So, yeah. 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 Um, Anything else to add to that scenario? Because that that was probably the most moving parts. Oh, I think the, the, uh, do you want to talk a a bit about your, experience interfacing with the law enforcement officer when he showed up yeah so i had a the the bad guy had brandished the weapon um and whether this is an error or not i'm not sure from a legal perspective but from a comfort perspective as soon as the guy lifted his shirt up and brandished this weapon at me i drew my gun and said hey you know sorry we're not doing this you know I, i need you to go away now uh the law enforcement officer presented himself um, I took the briefest of moments to confirm that there was indeed a badge in his hand as he identified himself verbally, and I did not take my gun off the bad guy. Matter of fact, I'm not sure I took my finger off the trigger um, because I was ready to, 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 to put holes in somebody, theoretically, uh, put paint on somebody. Yeah. Um, and, and I took my, and probably, again, this is probably an error, um, but I took my sweet-ass time coming off of the bad guy with the gun uh, you know, I was told, of course, to place my gun on the ground. I placed my gun where it was readily accessible to me on the back of the vehicle. Um, and then when I proned out on the ground, I proned out where I could see the bad guy, and I didn't take my eyes off the bad guy. Um, I'm not real worried about what the police officer is going to do. He's already made up his mind, and there's probably not a, not a lot of stopping him or her. Um, but the bad guy was still the unknown in this confrontation, and I don't know if the bad guy is going to, while the police officer is addressing me, is going to draw his gun and try and shoot both of us or just me or just him. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I took my time around that. Um, the gentleman playing the law enforcement officer, again, and we're running roles as scenarios, so everybody knows they're going home tonight. It's a little bit different situation than I would guess if it were live on the street, right? So, uh, again, I'm not sure if that was the right move or not, um, but the police officer didn't just shoot me, you know, so I guess I had a few seconds there to think. So that was kind of my thought around that. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, Something to consider, though, for sure. How are you going to interact when law enforcement gets there? I'm surely not going to point a gun at them. I'm surely going to communicate with them. This guy's a bad guy, you know, et cetera. But the bad guy's going to be doing the exact same thing, so the police officer going to have to sort it out, which generally means disarming both of us. Um, I don't recall if he actually disarmed the bad guy, if he actually made him jettison his weapon. I don't, I don't he, think— In your case, um, he jettisoned his—he made him put, drop the gun on the ground and then take— Two or three steps, big steps away okay. from it before okay. he proned out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, um, but definitely something to consider. You're if you're in an altercation like that, and you're gonna, you, you know, you bought the ticket, you're taking the ride. Um, you you need to make sure that you've got something in your head about how you're going to deal with law enforcement. You know what commands, etc. And and I would I would opine that I was in the wrong, hanging on to the gun as long as I did. Um, but by the same token, I, I, I guess it's, you know, do I get shot by the good guy or the bad guy? Take your pick, um, and we'll go from there. I could make some smarmy comment about my odds of surviving either one shooting at me. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. So, cool. Yeah. Yep. 
I don't think I have anything else to add to that one. Do you? Okay. I mean, because no. that scenario was a pretty strong scenario because it's something that yeah. you know we all find ourselves in out and about. You know, it's yeah. just it's I'll just a matter of maintaining awareness. Yeah, and during that scenario, there's another of us um, that was in the parking lot. Um, I think universally we just were like, not not our monkeys, not our circus. Yeah. Um, found what we deemed to be the hardest available cover and just yep. kind of bunkered. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So. Um, in this case, the scenario was a, somebody who was emotionally disturbed. Well, that was, the, that was a different scenario. Okay. Gotcha. 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 So, well, yeah. So if we're going to, if we're staying with the first one, yeah, it, it was basically just trying to get something between you and the pissed off dude. Well, for the, for you. Yeah. I was the color TV guy in the parking okay, lot. Okay. Gotcha. 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 And okay. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that was, it was a, you know, not my monkeys, not my circus. Yep. I'm going to find some concrete and get behind it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was absolutely the case. Um, so d definitely a not my monkeys, not my circus mentality. And I will tell you that if you are in the middle of one of these scenarios and you can say, hey, I'm getting out of Dodge, get out of Dodge if you can. If you got kids in the vehicle and you can't do that, then obviously you've got a different conversation on your hands. But it may also yeah. mean lead, leading the bad guy away from mm. innocence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... So to take Chris's, like, you're, you're in this scenario, if you're an observer, you know, to something like this, um, you know, get your people away from, yep. find distance, find cover, yep. find both. Um, yeah, definitely not, not my monkeys, not my circus. Yes. I'll let these two monkeys figure do it out. whatever stupid they need to do. So, yeah. So the second uh, scenario that we ran was an emotionally disturbed person. Uh, possibly, you know, narcotics involved, possibly just off meds or not on the right or meds or suicide whatever. by cop. Yeah, suicide by cop, whatever. Um, but anyway, um, the, the, the role player in this scenario, um, was, did have a weapon in his hands, wasn't pointing it at people and was walking around the parking lot of, of someplace obviously distressed. The scenario was that you wandered out of a store into the middle of this. Um, and again, the, you know, the reaction, you know, generally at least, you know, we had everybody, everything from people wandering out of the store and this was set up so physically you had to walk around a corner and then you were in visual. Well, in, in, in the case of guys wanting to game the scenario, a lot of guys walked really wide around the corner like you might try and do in real life, but can't always do. And, and as such, they put themselves wide out in the open um, and, and had to address the, the individual, not, not good guy, not bad guy, but man with gun, obviously with problems. Um, and, and some folks got really sucked into this. They got really sucked into a conversation. They got really sucked into, um, you know, a distraction, um, tactics around having two guys there. So one guy could maybe flank the guy while the other was doing whatever and all these different things that were tactically proficient, but in my opinion, ill-conceived back to not my monkeys, not my circus. Um, this guy was not my monkey and he was a circus for sure. Um, so we had everybody, we had, we had a, a couple of guys that engaged and, and tried to deal with the guy and I'm talking down, help him out. I don't know, whatever. Uh, well, Wolfie and I, when we did it, we walked around the corner, uh, or as Andrew and I, we walked around the yeah. corner. Um, I looked at the dude and I'm like, nope, I'm out of here and immediately beat feet and then had to go retrieve Andrew. Um, you know, East, East side aggression, um, East side of Dayton aggression, uh, had to go, had to go remind him, Hey, you don't really need to be there. And, and, and in fairness, his, his thought process was, okay, I've seen this guy, this guy's seen me. I'd like to maintain visual on where he's at. Yeah. I want to maintain situational awareness. Um, my take on that is I want to get out of Dodge. I want to put something hard between me and him. So the idea was we went back into the store and got out of Dodge at that point, that end of the scenario, 
but it set you guys up for the next run of the scenario, which was, hey, there's there's a dude who is a, a serious threat. Um, I'm out of dodge, and the guy followed you, yeah, and put you in a position where you had to you had to deal with him. Um, and at some point, he stopped just waving the gun around randomly and actually pointed it at you, and you and it was smoked him. And that's how that works. Um, uh, one of the big conversations around this is in these situations, you know, can you make the decision? Not not everybody with a gun needs shot. Um, thank goodness the police officer who showed up in the first scenario didn't think I needed shot. Um, thank goodness for the bad guy in the first scenario that I decided that he didn't need a shot because he hadn't pointed a gun at me yet. Um, but when you brandish a gun and you're cussing at me and threatening me, I'm going to point a gun at you at that point because I know you have a weapon. I'm going to up the force ante yeah. in that case. Um, in this case, it was uh, if you'd walked away, you'd probably been better off. In this case, he followed you. You were stuck dealing with him. And at some point, he points a gun at you. There's got to be a line. You've got to know what that line is, and it's not something you really want to figure out in the middle of one of these scenarios, or in the middle of the real world. It's something you probably want to figure out in a scenario in training, or you know, sitting on your couch like thinking through yeah. this stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. where where's my, you know, where at what point do I say, man, I really don't want to shoot this guy, but he's not giving me a choice because he's not necessarily a bad guy. So you know, pushing through those things is why we do the training, and I think that scenario was a great example of why we did that training. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what you want to add to that, but I mean, my response to it makes for a super, super short conversation. Oh, crazy dude with a gun. Bye-bye. And that was the end. Yeah. Um, one of the things that after Chris ran through with, um, his partner, uh, the store that we had left became closed. Uh, so I, when we came back over, yep. I pulled out my handy dandy rescue me off my keychain yep. and opened the store. Yep. Yeah, and, and, you know, and again, some of these tools that we think about that we carry when we do this, you know, this EDC pocket dump, um, that, that little tool, could, at the same time, it, it allowed you back into that place of cover or concealment. At the same time, that might be the tool that allows you to open a window for somebody who's unresponsive yeah. in their vehicle when it's 95 degrees outside. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, some of these things that we carry around with us, you know, aren't even cool guy tools. They're, they're just... They're not even sexy. They just do really good work if you need them to. So bear that in mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that scenario, there wasn't a lot to it. It was it was pretty quick and dirty. Yeah. And like I said, when somebody eventually points a gun at you, you're stuck. You know, you got to do something. One whether it's leave or shoot or whatever. So um, good shot, by the way. That was a fairly long shot. It was centered up high center yeah. mass. So um, the last set of scenarios where they weren't scenarios, they were drills, and it was well, a lot. Do you want to talk about the the parking lot deal gone bad? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Wow, I can't believe I blew past my opportunity to rob you. Um, the, the last scenario <clears throat> was an online sale. Um, in this case, it was a Cabela's branded hand warmer of some sort, tactical muff of some sort. But you were showing up to a, a online sale <clears throat> done face-to-face, person-to-person in a parking lot somewhere. And, and basically, the gist of it was you the as you, unknowingly you had to approach two dudes who were buying the tactical muff from you um and and prosecute that sale in this case that sale went bad um i don't know who wants to rob somebody over a 40 dollar hand warmer but people have done stupider stuff um i guess in the past so we'll go with that uh basically the gist was it, this this was a uh, this went from a zero to 60 yeah. it went from hey I'm going to negotiate price. We're going to do what you do when you do these things to thanks. This is mine. Go far away. Um, it was also supposed to progress to um, a, a robbery beyond that. Uh, how about your wallets or how about whatever? Um, when I drew, you guys pushed for distance 
and then you made the decision at some point because the gun wasn't coming down, wasn't coming off of you, yeah. that it was time to fight. Um, this is where Sims guns and Sims ammo being highly unreliable added a significant degree of difficulty uh, to this particular dive. Um, yeah. So so both both Brian and I got clicks instead of bangs. Um, Brian was fortunate enough to have two clicks instead of a bang in that scenario. Yeah, but, granted, our <clears> guns were loaded with five rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah, you had a 40% a, yeah. ammo failure rate. As a quick aside, if you're doing scenario stuff, um, the goal of this is to do the scenarios. It's not to play paintball. Yeah. And keeping everybody limited to five rounds is one of the ways we choose to do that. Exactly. Especially because everybody has that guy in the group who's just going to go full potato and have fun. Um, and you want to limit him, Jared, um, from doing that, <laughs> especially when he's a good shot because it hurts. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so like I said, this scenario ended, you know, ended with, um, you know, in a blaze of glory, uh, and you do, it was interesting that how that scenario worked out when I drew, you got distance. And then when you decided that screw it, it's time to fight, you moved, you drew, you fought, um, you fought your weapon as well as fighting me. Um, you took a round from Tony, I think. Yeah, uh, he had a good shot on that, too, because yeah. this was probably 20 yards at that point. Yeah, and, and it was one of those deals where you were focused on me. Um, the reality check, the way the scenario was drawn up, you were not he, he wasn't actually the bad guy. I kind of surprised yeah. him with so that. So this, in, in this case, the, the purchaser's buddy... Um, is a butthole. Yeah. And a thief. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and the purchaser gets drug into it, and in this case, the purchaser happened to be a good shot and decided to join the bad guy. I don't know. Um, interesting reaction, too, yeah. there, so, yeah. Yeah, I will say from, you know, in this case, being the seller, uh, being able to kind of go from, hey, like we're doing this thing to being switched on, but still in the, yeah. to, to quote um, Mike Pannone, the board at Bed Bath & Beyond, yeah. um, look, so you're not, you're not trying to escalate, you're not trying yep. to get in a fight, yep. you're selling this piece of junk, yeah. uh, but being able to do work when you need to, absolutely, uh, became really useful. Yeah, because uh, when, when it was time to go, you know, getting the gun out, yep. trying to get the first shot off, which I think would have been a good shot. Yeah. Then immediately going into you know a top rack bang, um, failure drill, to get the gun back up, all while moving, you know, processing where our threats, you know, yeah. where's cover, where's my buddy. Yeah. Um, all in the span of about four seconds. Yeah, and I would say that everybody did a pretty good job of that. So. Um, the other group that ran that scenario, um, the, you know, same thing, I robbed them as well. Um, they, they had chased down more distance than you to begin with and, and achieved more distance and just did the hands up, backed away kind of thing. And we didn't have a directive to pursue that with further nefarious acts like taking wallets and whatnot. So that didn't lead to that level of aggression at that point. Um, so it ended up being a very different scenario as a result. So... Um, again, as you're doing some of this stuff, that's one of the things we talk about a lot with these things is programming the scenarios properly so that everybody understands what they're supposed to do so everybody can get a consistent experience um, that has a learning objective, not just a free-for-all. This is not, again, we're not going to play paintball. Um, this is this is where we're trying to take an opportunity to present a more real-world type scenario where you can learn. And yeah. I think in this case, there were some things learned in both cases. And at some point, again, it comes back down to where's the line? Where do you make the decision that you're going to guns? Even when you're under the gun, where do you make the decision to go to guns? So um, anything else to add to that? Um, yeah, be able to subconsciously you know, draw the gun, move, fix malfunctions, yep. um, run the gun, you know, sights, trigger, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Um, because if you have to think about any of that, you are way too slow. Yep. Well, and that's the whole point of training. That's the whole point of that. You know, our last podcast, we talked about what, what type of training should you have? You should have training that leads to unconscious competence. Um, you know, you know, it's, is the goal obviously, and that's not going to happen to me with every single thing. Um, but there are a few basic things around the gun, like getting it out, shooting it, clearing malfunctions and loading it. That should be, you should be subconsciously competent. It should be, you know, without thinking about it. So, um, the last thing we did, uh, were drills. Um, and the drills were about movement, um, about the idea of showing people that getting off of the X is, is the supremely important part of the conversation if it works out that you can get off the X and draw effectively, i.e. drawing the gun doesn't slow down your movement to cover or movement away from a threat uh, or movement laterally away from a threat, um, you know, then, then great, draw and do whatever you can do. But the reality check was just to reinforce the idea that if you're presented with a threat and you think it's time to do something, you probably need to move as your priority and then secondarily do other things with a gun or with some other type of tool. Yeah. yeah. And we say move, um, we're talking big movements. Yep. Explosive like five, movements. Five to ten yards. You yeah. Know, find hard cover. Yep. Uh, find concealment if you can't find hard cover. Yeah. Ideally find or find distance if you can't find cover. either. Um, yeah. If, if you need to find distance, keep finding distance until you find cover. Yep. And, um, and, and draw your gun while yeah. you're finding distance at some point. Because you know, at some point you may choose to, to, to step inside their turn and stop. And fire a shot or two because if they're yeah. tracking you now you're now you're inside their loop so yeah you know, whatever the case may be uh, the big thing is you know the movement is not a oh pure danger exactly where I'm at and then complete safety yeah you know, one step away yeah the the uh, yeah certain death complete safety um, we won't pick on a pot of too much but anyway um, anyway yeah so yeah big movement to to concealment mm-hmm. slash cover slash the gun slash whatever um, and and like I said this is something that. The whole idea was the the bad guy gets one shot on you. So the faster you move, the less likely. And then it was that was that was modified to some extent. So you had less time to move, but the bad guy was no longer allowed to track you. They had to shoot you before yeah. you moved. And then from there, we changed that 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 drill up a couple different times to kind of help illuminate or 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 show you how these things actually work and what kind of reactionary gaps you have. Um, and those of you out there saying, you know, well, why don't the police do this? Or why don't the police do that? How come they don't shoot the gun out of someone's hand? How come, why did they need to do this? You know, that person only had a knife, blah, 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 blah. This was one of those things that, that puts a lot of that into perspective about how quickly things happen. And a lot of this was, you know, sub two seconds to make a serious decision. And in some cases, sub one second, you're looking for that furtive movement and you're out of dodge. And, and in a couple times, even with dudes that could move, it wasn't fast enough. So, um, you know, that, that love to have a conversation with you guys in the shop about some of these drills as well. Because it's something you can do with an airsoft gun. It's something you can do, honestly, with a laser. You know, if you had yeah. a cert pistol or something like that, it's something you could do with that too um, yeah. as well. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, don't, I really don't. I mean, I, I think that, you know, that, that was what it was about. And they ended up being a really good training night. I really like force-on-force training. Um, I would say that if you are consider yourself a gun guy, if you're a concealed carry permit holder, and you haven't done force-on-force, you need to avail yourself of a really good force-on-force class. Uh, there's any number of trainers around here who do concealed carry. The guys at TDI, um, the guys up at Alliance Police Training, 
tactical uh, response does uh, their way of the gun, which involves some force-on-force. Force. TDI does some force-on-force. Yeah, force. response actually does a whole two-day scenario-based class. It's yeah. all force-on-force. Force. Yeah, and TDI does similarly. They do a day or two that's low-light and force-on-force force as their end-run of their concealed carry train-up. Um, Alliance offers training from people who do these things as well. If you can avail yourself of Craig Douglas's ECQC, Shivworks ECQC, phenomenal class for, for you know that 0 to 10 feet, dealing with unknown contacts, etc., and then working guns, weapons, etc., at contact distance. So definitely, you know, there are opportunities to train this stuff and do force on force, so it's not one of those wringing your hands, how do I do this? And um, there, there's no ammo to buy for the class. Yeah. So relatively, it's an inexpensive class to go take. So cool. Yeah. Um, on that note, as we come across things like this on uh, training side, we post them to our Instagram and our Facebook page, uh, along with new inventory when we get to the store. Um, that goes up there too. So please do follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. comes out on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to the email newsletter list. And then lastly, please come visit us at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're open 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.